2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading together verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 2, verse number 11, while you turn there. But we're going to read together 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 2, 11. The Bible says, Lest Satan should give an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And then 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. Let's read this out loud together. Ready? Begin. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you so much, Lord. We do have an adversary, Lord. We have somebody that's out to destroy us, to devour us. But Lord, I do thank you for the protection that you give. And Lord, there's so much safety that's in the, the shadow of your wings. I ask you help us, Lord, uh, to learn to trust you. Lord, help us to see the attacks and uh, the evil devices from the devil. And uh, Lord, help us to stay vigilant uh, for, for you until you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bibles open. We're going to... Uh, come back to these verses in a minute, but let me help you for just a few minutes here. Let me start by saying this, and I don't mean this in the, I'm not going to be spooky or scary or anything like that, but the devil is real. The devil is not a cartoon character. The devil is real. His power and his influence is real. And may I say something? If you're saved, you don't have anything to worry about. You really don't. Uh, but I will say this, don't be ignorant of his devices as God tells us in First Corinthians chapter two, or Second Corinthians chapter two. He said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, that we should not be ignorant of his devices. If you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. Save people cannot have demons inside of them. They cannot. God and Belial cannot cohabitate the same space. So if you're saved, saved people cannot have a demon. Now, they can follow wrong. Saved people can do wrong. They can follow evil. They can participate in evil, but they don't have a demon in them. They can't be demon-possessed. Does that make sense to everybody? Uh, so you have to understand, and this is where we're going to part ways a little bit here, the devil is far more powerful than any human being. We are no match for the devil. He was one of the top six most powerful beings in the universe. You have God the Father... God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then there were three archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer, Lucifer becoming the devil. Outside of the Godhead, Lucifer was one of the top three most powerful beings that have ever been. You are no match for the devil. I am no match for the devil. 
We could go to places in the Old Testament and God talks about that Michael and Gabriel both wrestled with Gabriel for days and could not conquer him. He's a very powerful being. I think, and this is, I really want you to listen to me. I think sometimes, though, we give the devil too much credit. Um, God, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. The devil is not. The devil is like you and I in, in, in the sake that he can only be in one place at one time. So, let me help you with something here. Not everything bad that happens to you in life, well, the devil did that. Just because you got a flat tire doesn't mean the devil flattened your tire. You ran over a nail. You hit something you shouldn't have hit. Uh, just because you stubbed your toe, amen, Brother Harry? Uh, doesn't mean, or you fell down the steps tying your tie, or whatever. Uh, just because those things happened, it wasn't the devil that did it. <laughs> I wasn't going to go to the key thing there, Brother Scott. Uh, you fight with him over that one. Uh, just because your blow dryer or your curling iron blew up doesn't mean the devil did it. Amen, Brother Joe? Yeah. <laughs> The devil is not going to lower himself to do something that minute. He has bigger things to do than to flatten your tire or to stub your toe or whatever. Satan's attacks are very specific. Let me and, and, and listen to this very carefully and I'll show you in the scriptures here. Satan's attacks are to keep the gospel from getting out. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 again. Look at verse 3. But if our what? Gospel be hid. It is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world. Who is the God of this world? The devil. Hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. So the devil's main job is to keep the gospel from getting to lost people. The devil's main job and main goal is to keep the gospel hidden from those that are lost. Now he can't take it away from those of us who are saved... But he's trying to keep us from getting it to those who are lost. Now, uh, his attack is then on the gospel getting out, not your tire. Not your dryer. Not your whatever. It is on trying to keep us from getting the gospel out. <laughs> He's not out to destroy every Christian. But he's out to destroy Christians who are getting the gospel out. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this one out loud. Do you do anything to get the devil's attention? If his main goal is to stop getting the gospel out, 
Are you even on his radar screen? You see, do you get the gospel out enough to even get his attention? You see, the devil is not concerned, and I don't mean this the wrong way, the guy laying in his vomit on the side of the road right now being drunk isn't getting the devil's attention. He's already got him. His attention is trying to keep churches from having church on Sunday night, Wednesday night. His attention is trying to keep Christians from going out. Well, we might offend somebody, so let's find a new way. That's the devil's tactics. Everybody doing okay? So few people get the gospel out to anyone on a regular enough basis to even get the devil's attention. You see... God tells us in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The Christians and churches who do nothing to get the gospel out and don't preach truth correctly aren't the object of the devil's attacks. Can I tell you what kind of churches and what kind of Christians the devil's going to be working on Grace Baptist Church. Fifteen saved at a funeral. Nine saved at the mission. Folks saved out soul winning. People getting baptized. Kids getting saved in junior church. Lives being changed. Hey, that's what's going to get the devil's attention. <laughs> Preachers who preach like I do get the devil's attention and say why? Because he doesn't like us very well. You see, God tells us not to be ignorant or unknowing or ignoring his devices. I want to show you what his devices are tonight. I want to show you, I think I have seven different statements here. Six, hang on here, seven. That's right. I have seven different statements I want to give you. And I do believe we'll be out a few minutes early tonight. Number one, Satan uses success. To destroy us. Everybody listen to me very carefully. Satan will use your success. To try to destroy your Christianity. You see. When you start wanting to make more money. Rather than going to church. He's getting you. When making more money comes before getting the gospel out. He's getting you. When it's more important to make money than it is to spread the gospel, he's got you. Well, Sunday's my only day off. I got to have a day to myself. Careful now. Your success will destroy you. Well, I've got a nicer car and I've got a nicer house and I've got more bills to pay, so I don't have time to do those things, uh, your success will destroy you. Instead of taking out another credit card, go soul winning more. Amen. Instead of going farther in debt, get the gospel out more. Amen. You see, none of these things are bad in and of themselves. But when it comes before getting the gospel out, 
The devil's got us. Look how many churches are successful financially, but they're not seeing anybody saved. And I'm going to pull up and preach for just a second. I get a little tired of churches that, well, we'll pay all the missionaries to do our soul winning for us. I'm for you giving money to missionaries and getting the gospel out around the world. But if you're letting people die and go to hell walking up and down the street in front of our church, God's not happy with that. Plain and simple. It is not your job just to give money to missionaries. And it's not just your job to pay his salary and my salary to go knock on doors and tell folks how to get saved. It's your job as a Christian to tell others. Somebody say amen. All right. Uh, I want to make sure I'm in the right church. You see, we, we sometimes think, well, I've achieved a certain level of success, so I don't need to do it anymore. You've just let your success go to your head and the devil's got you. I know a man. I led him to Christ. He was young. He was on fire. He was in a very different kind of Baptist church, is all I'll say. He got on fire. He started soul winning. His church didn't have church on Sunday night, so he came to the church where we were at. Then he decided our church ran buses. He was going to run a church van route. He convinced the pastor to let him run a church van route. He was bringing 15, 20 people in on a church van, whole bunch of kids getting saved. And I said, Doc, you're going to cause trouble. Pastor's not going to like it. He said, oh, it's bringing, it's building the church. I said, he's not going to like it. They started having a men's meeting on like Tuesday night or Saturday or I forget what day of the week. And they started playing Brother Hiles' sermons. I said, that, that's not what you should do. I said, that's not going to, and sure enough, in about three weeks, he said, my pastor told me I have to quit all this. He's not real happy. I said, I told you. Well, he left that church and came to our church. He started growing, got married, had kids, became a deacon, started his own business, became very successful, and they're not in church today. Can I tell you why? Success destroyed him. You see, if you're too successful to get people saved, you're too successful. Everybody doing okay? If you're too good to go down to Skid Row and bend your knee with a with an old uh, homeless person and tell them the gospel, you're too good. Yeah, it's good to go down to the mission every once in a while and preach and. Be there with a bunch of homeless guys. And not be pious about it. I'll promise you. you've been Some of you men have been down there when I've preached. And Brother Juan's backslidden. He's in jail tonight. Uh, (laughs) But no, he's helping because the jail system's a mess right now. Brother Juan says, Preacher, every time you show up, everybody down there gets excited. I said, why? He said, because you don't do what every other pastor does down there. You help them. 
You're not there just to put your community service in. They know you care. You know, it's good for me to go down there. It's good for me to uh, be around rough sinners. Say, why? (laughs) But by the grace of God, there go I. I'm no more important than they are. When you're too successful to stop and give somebody the gospel, you're too successful. It's time to be successful as a Christian. So, Satan uses success to attack us. Number two, Satan uses health to attack us. Ouch. It amazes me how sick somebody can be on Sunday, but they always make it to work on Monday. On, on Monday. They can be sick on Wednesday night for church, but they were at work on Wednesday and go to work on Thursday. Now, if you've got a fever and you know, you're barfing everywhere, stay home. I get it. If you've got a, a legitimate illness, but if you're good enough to go to work, you're good enough to come to church. They'll be doing all right. Well, I just have a headache. I know, I've been, my wife's been married to me almost 35 years. She knows what a headache is. Good grief. If you only go to church when you feel good, you'll never go to church. Especially if you're over 50. Amen? And if you get over 90, I don't know, I haven't been there yet. But uh, can I tell you something? If you're waiting for, some, for everything to quit hurting, you'll never go. You see, it amazes me... <laughs> I know people, oh yeah, I'll be at soul wedding, I'll be at soul wedding. Oh, I got a headache today, I'm not going. Oh, folks, if I only showed up to work when I feel like it, everybody doing all right? Uh, yesterday was a busy day for me. Saturdays mornings are early, are set aside for uh, doing five radio broadcasts, and that takes a while. That's not just... Uh, that's not just a one-hour job. That's usually three to four hours. Then I realized I got prayer breakfast. Uh-oh. I got a lot to get done. I was here before 5 o'clock. By 7.20, 7.22, I, I finished recording five radio broadcasts. Just in time for first fellows to start showing up went through prayer breakfast had just a little break and then went right into soul winning made a couple visits came back went right into the funeral and taking care of folks here for a couple hours and preaching again and then had a couple hours and we had family uh, over to our house for dinner last night and finally by about seven o'clock last night i looked at my wife and said my head's tired my body wasn't as tired as my brain was. You know, when you don't have much, you've got to work it extra hard. Uh, Brother Scott knows by experience. Now, wait a minute. Do I always feel like getting up like I did at 4.30 again this morning or before? 4.15 when I crawled out of bed? No. But that's what I did. I'm going to make a statement here. Your doctor or your psychologist has no business telling you to miss church for your health. Tell your doctor or tell your psychologist to stick it where the devil is. That's the nicest way I know how to say that. 
You see, <laughs> those of you that have little ones, uh, new parents, bring your babies to church. They're not going to catch germs any more here than they will taking them to Walmart. You'll take them grocery shopping. You'll take them to Walmart. You'll take them to the doctor's office that's filled with germs. But you won't bring them to church because they might catch something. Come on now. There's only one way for a, a human being to not be sick, and that's to be exposed to it and build an immunity to it. Everybody doing okay? Now, again, if you truly are sick, have a fever, that kind of thing, stay home. I get it. If they told you you got COVID, stay home for a few days. But past that, we ought to be here. <laughs> Don't let your health keep you from telling others about him. So, well, I can't get out and go door to door. Okay, you go to the doctor's office and see a countless number of people. Uh, you go to the gas station. You go to the grocery store. You go other places. Give them out while you're out doing your things. Boy, that's good stuff. Amen, preacher. So don't let your health uh, stop you from getting the gospel out. Number three. <laughs> I'm not going to look at anybody. <laughs> Turn your head that way. <laughs> Satan uses stress to attack us. Can I tell you something? Stress is far overrated. <laughs> Quarter after one, a couple Sunday or Monday mornings, a couple weeks ago when I had my kidney stone. I, you go into triage and they take your temperature and take your blood pressure and pulse and oxygen levels, you know, triage you real quick. And when I checked out, it says, you might need to call your doctor. I think you might have hypertension. My blood pressure was 145 over 90. I was in the middle of a kidney stone. You will think I have hypertension? No, I had a kidney stone, stupid. I said to the girl that was taking it, I said, it's probably elevated. She said, sir, if that's elevated, you got really good blood pressure. And then the paperwork, you might want to check you have hypertension. No, I give hypertension. I don't have it. Uh, we let worry and pressure keep us from serving God. I wonder how many people are stressed out to the point where they can't give a gospel tract to somebody. Everybody doing okay? We're focusing on our problems way too much. I learned a long time ago, if I'm under stress, I'm going to go out and knock on a bunch of doors to help somebody. When I come back, I'll pick up my problem and God says, let me help you with it. Yes. You see, you carry your problem and only focus on the problem. You don't serve God and then you get more problems and it just keeps compounding because you've not gotten the gospel out and you've been falling ignorant to Satan's devices. We let the struggles of life overwhelm us instead of letting it make us stronger. Can I help you parents? Your children are going to get sick. Your children are going to do wrong. You know that. Don't be shocked when they do. Don't let it stress you out. <laughs> if you've got to take them out of church and take them to the washroom and do business, sometimes you've got to do it. I'll never forget, I was sitting on the platform with Brother Hiles, 7,000 seat auditorium. 
My wife sat third row, center aisle, right there where Brother and Mrs. Lopez are. And all of a sudden, one of my kids had had enough. No, I don't. Oh, and my wife grabs him by the hand, starts marching up the center aisle. And Brother Hiles, in all of his humility, he, he would divert attention. He'd say, so let, let's stop and pray for that young man. He's about to lose his life. Wait a minute, Brother Bush, isn't that your son? <laughs> yes. He's acting a little bit too much like you, isn't he? And I knew he was diverting the attention, but wait till that's your kid. And by the way, he got it at church, but he got it at home again, too, let me tell you. After church, Brother Hiles saw me. He said, now, don't you beat that kid again. I said, preacher, what I do at home? He said, no, no, no. He said, he, he said, he's not a bad boy. He said, I was just trying to help your wife. I said, I know what you was doing, but you better pray for him for a little while, too. He said, son, he said, I'm glad to know there's still parents that do it the right way. You see, the devil wants you to stress to weaken you. Let your stress strengthen you. Let the problems make you stronger, not weaker. You see, I just get so nervous. I just get so stressed. Can I tell you why? Is all you do is think about it. If you can't fix it then, put it aside and work on what you can work on. I don't worry about what I can't fix. Everybody doing all right? If my car's broken down, it's got to go to the mechanic, I don't worry about it. Got another one. I can drive it. I'll let him worry about fixing it. I'm not going to worry about it. He's the one who's going to bust his knuckles or whatever. I'm not. Boy, that's good stuff. Don't let stress keep you from getting the gospel out. I wonder how many people sit at home all fretting and all, all stressed out. Oh, I'm just too stressed to tell somebody about Jesus. Then you're way too stressed out. Best stress relief program in the world is getting the gospel out to somebody. You get the gospel out to somebody, watch them bow the head and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll charge hell with an unloaded squirt gun. You won't feel any stress. You come to a funeral and watch 15 folks get saved, I, you won't have any stress. Man, we had fun. That guy was right when he walked out yesterday. He said, I had more fun at a funeral than I have at church. I said, don't blame me for where you go to church. So next, Satan uses emotions to keep us from getting the gospel out. Oh, oh, oh. It amazes me how fear controls many people and keeps us from doing what God wants. Well, I'm afraid, preacher. That's an emotion. I'm afraid every time I go so winning too. And I've been doing it for pretty near 45 years. Shut up. Little twit. <laughs> we had tracks that weren't written on stone, too. <laughs> they may have been mimeographed, but. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, well, I'm afraid. Who isn't? Very few people naturally like soul winning. Boy, I hope they're not home. I still feel that way. But you feel, hear the footsteps coming, and something starts working up. And I got the first three, three and a half seconds planned. 
I got a gospel track in my hand, and it's, I'm Pastor Bush from Grace Baptist Church. We're going through the area. Do you get to go to church anywhere regular? If I can get that out, I'm doing good. Everything else kicks in gear. But those first few seconds, I hope they're not home. I still feel that way. You see, people often don't want to get close to God with their emotions. Do you love God with your emotions? By the way, some of you let the, let the emotion of anger control you to where you won't get the gospel out. I'm too angry to go. No, that's when you really need to go tell somebody how to get saved. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so tired of fundamental preachers. I keep getting literature and different things from them from around the country. We're going to have a conference on how to deal with your emotions. Brother Fugit was here and he said, what is this about emotion stuff? He said, they're having men's meetings on how to deal with men's emotions. He said, what is this? I said, bunch of sissies. He said, I'm glad to hear you say that. He said, I feel at home here. I said, just let her fly, brother. Just let her fly. Well... (laughs) preaching like this. Well, if you don't do it for the right reason, don't do it. Well, I hate to tell you something, but when my dad, in the middle of August, and it's 140 degrees outside, and the trash has been sitting there for a week, and it stinks, and it's got maggots crawling everywhere, he didn't say, well, when you have the right attitude, I want you to take the trash out. He didn't give a flip what my attitude was, but you better get the trash out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. God doesn't care whether your attitude's right. He expects obedience. Well, if you don't do it with the right attitude, you shouldn't come to church. That's why most churches are empty tonight. That's a bunch of hogwash. <laughs> you don't walk with God based on your emotions. You walk with God, the emotions will follow eventually. Don't let your emotions keep you from getting the gospel out. I'm just too sad. Well, if you looked at another person in the face and realized they're going to die and go to hell because you didn't give them the gospel, you come out of your funk real fast. Everybody doing okay? I'm about to get preachy here in a second. Number five. (laughs) Satan will use your own family to attack you. I know none of you have that problem, but uh, we all have family that doesn't understand us and church. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I got it. My wife and I both do from both sides of the family. They don't understand it. You're part of a cult. Shoot, I've been told that for decades. They don't even know what the word cult means. We all have family members who've disobeyed God that we're probably not proud of. But guess what? (laughs) They're sinners too. Did you know God only had one perfect child and the rest were sinners? If a perfect God could only have one perfect child, what chance do we have of having perfect kids? 
Absolutely none. And by the way, I don't care if their parents work on staff or if they're brand new converts that came off the streets. All sinners are sinners. There's no difference. Well, some know better. Yeah, you do too, so keep your mouth shut. That's the nicest way I know how to say that. If you really want to find out what I think, see me in private. We all have family who wants to spend time with us, but I'm here to shout, if I have family from out of town and they're here, they're either going to come to church or they're going to sit at my house while I come to church. Plain and simple. And I've left people at my house. They've gone out to eat or gone shopping. That's fine. I'm not angry with them, but they're not going to keep me from coming to church. Everybody doing okay? Well, that wouldn't be kind. That would be rude. How are you treating God? Uh-oh. Don't let family members keep you from getting the gospel out. Uh, there comes a point in time where you have to be careful with your own family so you don't destroy your family. I get it. It doesn't mean you sit at Thanksgiving and preach to all of them because they hate your guts. There's a way to do it kindly and not, you know, when they say enough's enough, enough's enough. And give it a few years and they'll go through problems and guess who the first person they call will be? Hello, need your help. No problem. Number six, Satan uses criticism to keep us from getting the gospel out. (laughs) You know, the devil will try to discourage you with people and their words. If I listened to all the voicemails and took it seriously that come to this church, we'd never go so winning again. Hardly a week goes by that I don't get somebody cranky about one of our tracks being left somewhere. Somebody knocked on my door. It said no trespassing. Well, we didn't trespass. It said no soliciting. That's the one I really like. Or the one that I really like is the one in Stonebridge when people get cranky over here in Stonebridge. Well, our HOA doesn't allow people to go door to door. I said, when the kids from Girl Scouts quit selling their cookies and the kids from the public school quit selling their candy and trinkets from school, then you can tell me that, but until then, shut your mouth. I said, you live there. I don't. You have to live by that rule. That's not a county rule. That's not a state rule. That's your HOA rule, not my rule. And until then, too bad. You say, preacher, you don't say that. Yes, I do. There's no HOA that has any rule of authority over a church. Everybody doing okay? Well, it says that churches shouldn't pass out literature here. Well, it can say it all at once, but I'm still going to do it. Well, that's not a good testimony. You only have one or two cranky people. Everybody else is looking for a church. It's pretty bad that during COVID, we were going soul winning in Shepherdstown and a so-called pastor from another denomination called and said, thank you for loving the people of my neighborhood the way I do and getting the, getting the message out to them. I thought, well, somebody's got to because you didn't care enough to do it. 
insane neighborhoods I'm called. You're killing people. There's COVID. You're leaving papers that could kill somebody. Don't you? You're supposed to be a man of the cloth. I said, no, I'm not a man of the cloth. Good night. She Catholic. She doesn't have enough sense to know what she's even barking at. Satan will use criticism. Oh, <laughs> we let people tell us we can't do that. I love what Brother Fugit said a couple weeks ago when he was preaching and I was sick. I was watching Brother Fugit on my phone. And he said, the guy that's telling everybody that it can't be done shouldn't interrupt the people that are getting it done. Amen. That's good. Amen. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> that's a new motto for my life. Amen. You know, <laughs> I remember when Brother Hiles asked me to come work for him. There were a couple well-known preachers in America. Uh, they didn't like me, and honestly, I didn't care a whole lot for them, but I didn't tell them that. I was to meet Brother Hiles a few hours from where we were at. My wife and I drove down. He said, Brother Craig, are you going to be there? I said, we plan to be there. He said, well, I don't want you to come just to meet with me, but if you're going to be there, I'd like to meet with you. So went there. One of those preachers met me and said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here for the conference to hear Brother Isles. I said, and he's asked me to meet with him. He said, you're not going to meet with him. I said, well, he's asked me to meet with him. He said, well, I'll make sure you don't. I said, well, that's fine. One of the other preachers there, he came up to me. And he said, you have no business going to work for him. You don't qualify to work for him. I said, did he call you? He said, no. I said, well, he called me. Shut up. That's all I said. Brother Hiles up there signing Bibles, line of people. He had told us what to do. We came down and just waited off to the side. And after about 10 minutes, he looked at the guy that told me that I wasn't going to meet with him and said, here, you stand here and t keep these people busy for a little bit. Brother Craig, come on over here. We're gonna, I'm going to go meet with Brother Craig and his wife over here. <laughs> and we had a meeting. <laughs> now, God had vindication. promise you my wife is there she can tell you this is true the first night that i sat on the platform with brother hiles and he introduced me to the church i was sitting right over here i walked out sitting about seven aisles seven rows back on the front center aisle guess which two preachers were sitting there those two guys he called me up put his arm around me he bragged on me and I watched two guys going. <clears throat> I couldn't look at him because I was trying not to laugh. <laughs> See, what is that? I don't let criticism bother me. People are going to say what people are going to say. I don't really care. <laughs> oh, you're a cult. They've been saying that for decades. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All you do is care about numbers. Numbers, numbers, numbers. Yeah, God put a whole book of numbers in the Bible. Each number represents a soul. Each soul is important to God. And I don't care about the numbers. I just want to reach everybody we can reach. <laughs> well, we care about ours more than you do yours. Well, I don't know about that. But you take care of yours. We'll take care of ours. 
Don't let criticism keep you from getting the gospel out. Oh, you're just a fanatic. Thank you very much. Well, I didn't mean it as a compliment too late. I took it that way. It doesn't bother me. Let Next and lastly, <laughs> most of you don't have to worry about this. Satan uses intellectualism to attack us. <laughs> you know, man thinks he's smarter than God. Man wants to appear to know something. We want to be accepted by intellectuals. Well, I've met enough intellectuals, I don't want to be like one. Most of them are dumber than a box of rocks. They know a lot about one thing, and that's it. Kind of nerdy, weird. Uh, man thinks that he knows so much that he can even rewrite God's words into his own words. Now, I'll be honest with you. I get a little tired of people thinking that I'm just a dumb Baptist preacher who doesn't know anything. Well, I hate to disappoint them. I might not be as intellectually book-wise as they are, but I happen to know that book fairly well. I've happened to see God use that book in people's lives for the last 43 years of my life, and I think I know a little bit about it. Everybody doing okay? Uh, <laughs> well, you have a doctorate. Where did you get your doctorate? So I tell them. Well, I've never heard of them, so don't care. Well, did you get it from an accredited college? No, I got it from a place of real learning. Amen. Do you think I want this bunch of people that can't teach kids to read to accredit me? Is your school accredited? No, it never will be. I'll shut it down before we do that. I don't need the government telling me that I know enough to have a school. I already know I know more than they know. <clears throat> My kindergartners can read. They don't have to wait till third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. <clears throat> you know, nobody wants to be labeled ignorant. But let them label you. It's okay. Well, all you do is talk about God. All you do is talk about Jesus. All you do is talk about soul winning. All you do is talk about the gospel. Well, that's pretty good topics. It's better than what they talk about in the world. Have you heard some of the stuff they talk about at work? And by the way, let me just say this for those of you that work out in the world. You have as much right to talk about the Bible and the gospel at work as they do their perversion. Don't let them tell you you can't give the gospel at work. You have the right to talk about it as much as they have the right to talk about their filth. Yes, sir. That's right. Amen. We have too many Christians that are letting them let the devil have everything. Well, you can't talk about that here. Says who? Don't we have the freedom to say what we want? They can talk about immorality, drunkenness, vileness, filthiness, and I can't talk about God? Drop dead. Man, I'm having fun right now. Don't let intellectualism keep you from going soul winning. I'm glad where I went to college that the president of the college went street preaching 
once a month. Went down to Lower Wacker Drive in downtown Chicago, where all the homeless people lived. Three earned PhDs and dealt with homeless people, giving them the gospel. The vice president of our college had a PhD from Princeton, Dr. Jim Jorgensen. Still running a bus route. Loving on bus kids. Oh, very intelligent man. IQ, way above mine. It's got to be at least three digits. That's supposed to be funny. Most of you don't know what a... <laughs> Sorry. Don't let intellectualism destroy you. <laughs> Can I tell you something? God says, let's not be ignorant of his devices. What's the devil going to do? He's going to use all those things to keep you from getting the gospel out. It's not your stub toe. It's not your flat tire. It's not your curling iron that blew up. It's not the washer dryer. It's not the dog that's messed all over your carpet or something. No, that's not the devil. The devil's trying to keep you from getting the gospel out. That's how he'll attack. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you letting your success destroy you? What is it that's keeping you from getting the gospel out? What is it that's keeping you from getting the gospel out?